I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi there, good evening and welcome to this Cyberox, your Sunday session for Sunday the 11th of February 2024. My name is Scott Patterson. If you're joining us across our YouTube channel, thank you. As always, grateful to have you with us tonight. If you are following us across social media, thank you. If you're not, just to remind you of where we are, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. If you are following us on, on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe, like and comment fire the notifications on so each time we go live you will receive uh, a notification and you can check us all out and see what we're up to um lots to discuss tonight including progression into the quarterfinals of the scottish gas scottish cup following a victory yesterday home to united we're going to speak about a brand new colombian prince i'm looking forward to hearing what we're going to say about that um diamande very impressive i think early doors and his first start for the club yesterday we're going to do a little bit about nico raskin as well and just try and understand what he's all about just now because he's certainly not the same guy that we became used to pre-injury joining me on the podcast to discuss all of this for the next 45 minutes or so it's john walker hi john how are you Fantastic. It's the first time I've done the split screen and it's uh, it's made my face look a little bit slimmer. So I think I might need to get this filter for my, my general day-to-day life. <laughs> and I was just I was just gonna say, and it's probably unfair, but I, I don't know how you feel about that, Tommy. <laughs> uh, I thought John was going to say he's doing the splits there. Uh, it's the first time I, I can't help but think when I look at it that somebody somewhere is looking at their screen and going. I swipe left with this, don't I? I definitely swipe left with this. <laughs> so that, 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 that's fine. That's fine. It looks like a really, really, really poor retro version of um always oh, that Stella Brack dating show that used to be out. That dates me as well, by the way. Um what, what was it called? Blind I can't remember. I can't remember. Blind date. Um, oh, there you go. Oh my goodness. Right, listen. So Blind straight... date, thank you. Blind date, there you go. Call number three. Right. <laughs> come behind the curtain goodness me um listen what i do want to do um before we get into into the discussion i do want to speak about um some of the content we're firing out on our audio only platform and um, the guys have recorded the player of the month and goal of the month um for january if you do follow us across our audio um subscriptions and channel please jump on and have a look my personal choice for Goal of the month for January was Cantwell at Easter Road. Hopefully we see another one of them shortly. And I, I do think John Lundstrom um, was was the best player of January for, for the club. Um, John, we'll start with you. Scott Brown coming back back to Ibrox. Willie Collum coming back to Ibrox. It had all the the sort of the ingredients to be a sort of late December pantomime, did it not, yesterday? It was absolutely mental, to be honest. See all, all the things that could have happened to make that a headline for all the wrong reasons happened. Um, all the build-up was around... Do you know what? Do you know what's hilarious? I, I, I've seen Scott Brown a few times do stuff with the SFA, right? And I've actually defended him, and this will be really popular on a Rangers podcast, <laughs> as his talking, talking ability. Because on those... Quite, quite the, uh, it's, it's, quite the, it's quite the resignation letter, John. <laughs> this is quite the resignation letter. How do you leave? How do you leave this? <laughs> but... See, see, seeing Scott Brown in the press conference, he's trying to stay a professional manager instead of being Scott Brown at Jives. He ended yeah. up kind of falling into a Mitch, Mc, a Mitch McConnell kind of freeze where he stopped speaking. He didn't know what to say. So that was interesting to hear him try and mumble through a full sentence um, in, his, in his press conference. As for the, the game, Willie Collum, I think most decisions he made in that game were incorrect. And if added to what I seen in the sports thing was just a, a pantomime of mistakes the whole way through. So yeah, I think the Rangers at home at United wasn't the, the cut and dry last sixteen it could have and should have been. Um I think it's making headlines for potential red cards and stuff that did 
did not happen or weren't given uh, Scott Brown's way. But yeah, it was a pantomime. Yeah, no, absolutely. Tommy, we all come to some of the decisions that, that have kind of taken the, the limelight away for Rangers progressing to the next round. Um, and they will, we will speak tonight about the, the Conor Goldson lunge, the silver booking that he got, and then the silver booking that he potentially never got in the second half. We'll talk all about all of this as, as the night goes on. But there, there was a, as John's rightly said, there was a kind of Brown coming back, Colm coming back after all that nonsense, sort of Christmas time. Um, it kind of added to the fact that it was the Scottish Cup game we won it. It wasn't a big game for Rangers as such. It was just a game that Rangers knew they had to win. That was just an added background to it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Maybe a, a better, um, you know, yeah. pantomime villains type of scenario with uh, with Colm and, and Brown. It wasn't a big game. And we'll get into the performance and how that was pretty pretty turgid. Uh, the whole thing was brown. <laughs> That's probably the best way to, best way to put it in terms of if you're picking a colour for this game and all that. But yeah, I mean, that whole jibe nature and, you know, wee comments here and there, it's, it's a bit tawdry, actually. And I'm sure Scott Brown will... I mean, this podcast is not about him in any way, shape or form. The game wasn't about him and, you know, um, but... That's something he'll have to learn as a manager as he goes forward. You need to drop that stuff and actually start to act in a slightly different way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the decisions from column, etc., we know what you're going to get there. It's Consistency is never consistent, and it drives everybody, bar me, to a certain extent. But, yeah, it's adding an extra layer of flavour or interest, if that's what you, you want to call it, to what was always going to be a, a bit of a February stodge fest, which... Unfortunately, it's how it panned out. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we made seven changes um, to the team. Notably, um, John Cortez comes in for a start, first start. Diamandi comes in for a start, first start. It starts for Ryan Jack. Um, Raskin came back in. Barisic was in at left back. We are at the stage where previously the squad didn't look as strong and you were almost looking at um, square pegs into round holes, etc. Dujon Sterling is, is is someone who jumps into my mind immediately. Um, but it gave Clement the option to rotate and give guys another chance. Scott Wright also had another chance, and I think we'll come to all of these guys, maybe individually, to see whether they took that or not. But all of a sudden, the squad seems to be getting back to a manner of fitness, and it's a real important time now that the transfer window's been and gone. Yeah, the, the squads, I mean, I know Clement's made little jokes about it to, to Craig and last night. The squad's actually in, in a really good position, as far as I'm concerned. That's now at the point where you go, you definitely need people to leave in the summer for us to start bringing in people to replace because it's, it's too conflated when everyone's available. There's too many centre-mids when everyone's available. You've got four, you've got four decent centre-halves in Scottish football if everyone's available. You've got two full-backs on either side if everyone's available. And you've got decent wide players if everyone's available. So it, it's... <laughs> It's kind of what your squad should be, and we've we've been robbed of that a fair bit. Um, and I think the biggest one for the squad being fit outside of what happened in the game yesterday is Campbell, I think in a press conference, maybe the, after the last game, after the Aberdeen game, sorry, he said, people forget I was injured for two and a half months and I'm still trying to recover from that. Giving him a rest when he needs it and putting him back in for important games and getting the game time, it's no coincidence that now the squad being bolstered and Campbell being used in his right position sparingly when he's needed to be, you're seeing Todd Campbell really start to impact games and hit numbers that we assumed he would do when we were all singing his praises at the start of the season. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. It was um, it was really interesting, the team selection for me, Tommy. I almost expected, you know, I expected Butland to drop out, McCrory to come in. Um, I expected some other sort of little changes. I'm not sure I expected guys like Scott Wright to start. It, it was interesting. Um, I know you spent a bit of time with Philippe Clement, courtesy of the club at the training centre, and... He doesn't strike me as the guy who will indeed rotate for the sake of rotating. I think if guys are playing well Monday to Friday and training well Monday to Friday, their opportunity will come at the weekend, assuming that application's correct. Uh, yeah, and press conferences, uh, etc., uh, in terms of what you're referencing there. Um, definitely, I think if if there was going to be changes, so I'm with you, people at Scott Wright and all that, round about the periphery, the fringes, whatever phrase you want to use, but if you're not going to put them in and give them a chance against Air United at home, then when are they going to get a shot? And, you know, I think Philippe Clement's on record several times 
when he first came in, obviously talking about the fitness of the squad, and they've done a lot of work behind the scenes on that, and you know, somewhere there's a door ajar to a cryo chamber or whatever, right? Um, but also the fact that everybody's going to have to play a part. You know, as you know, John references quite rightly there. Um, although the word if everybody stays fit or comes back is doing a lot, of, the word if is doing a lot of heavy lifting there, right? But everybody's going to have to be circled in it. We're still in Europe, absolutely in a title. We're, we're in for every every um, trophy still going. Is, is, the, is the point and you are absolutely going to have to give everybody minutes now whether they grab the jersey is a different conversation and there's a few people that got chances yesterday that didn't grab their jersey but I ultimately you blood some other people you get minutes in their legs the new boys getting minutes in their legs I asked James Tavenier um, after the Aberdeen game actually in the press conference about that very thing nobody nobody gets injured you come back out the other side of it you can then go again um, and that's all you're really looking for from a game as it was, which is Rangers are always expected to win. No one hiding nothing with these games against lower opposition. Can you just get something out of players that, that do something? Scott Wright didn't do anything, right? Um, but filled a jersey and made it so that somebody else could have a little bit of a rest. <sighs> really just a tail of that type of thing, to be honest with you. But aye, you're going to see more of that as we, well, maybe not as we progress, but he's going to have to keep trying to get people in minutes and do X, Y, and Z, particularly in the forward area, which is still trying to bed itself in and you're looking at your Danilos and your Seamers, etc., still being out. So everybody up that top end is going to have to play a part. Tommy, I want to stick to you. I want, I want to speak about um, Oscar Cortez, of course, started on the left side, deemed his natural side, I think Clement had said, sort of post-match. Um, impressed with him yesterday, hits the post, early doors, um, always appearing keen to, to sort of give the Air United right back a real torrid time. And for 45 minutes yesterday, he really done that, didn't he? He did. He looked bright, you know, looked sharp, whatever coach Emmanuel cliche press conference word do you want to chuck into at this point in time. He was head up and he was direct. And I think if you go back through all the people that we've had in those wide areas in recent times, we've always gotten frustrated about just be direct. This, the second part of that, which I'm always interested in and looking at it, and again, I know that Philippe Clement spends a lot of time on the kind of mental side and the psychological side of the game as well, is for a young guy, when he does lose the ball, etc., he just kept going. And yeah. if you're going to succeed at Ibrox, you're going to succeed in Rangers in general, but particularly at Ibrox, you've got to have that thick skin of if people are mumping and moaning or there's a wee bit of grumble and all that because you're losing the ball, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. I think he showed enough. Against lower opposition, let's be very clear about that. But he showed enough to say, oh, there's somebody who will be direct, who will get right in the face of the fullback, who will take them on at the byline, who's got a wee trick, and who's certainly open-eyed about taking shots on. Um, and that that bodes really, really well. I thought he was, I thought for his 45 minutes, maybe slightly less than 45 minutes, he was he was good and he was bright. You're expecting a lot more from him in time. But yeah, really positive, actually. A really, a really good, really good, um, a really good half. From John, I think it was Craig Dennett who, who jumped into our WhatsApp chat um, yesterday and suggested out of all the wingers and all of these sort of wide players that we have, um, we've seen a great deal from Cortez yesterday to suggest that he's going to be a winger in the fashion that we all understand the winger to be. Hug the touch line, use the line from top to bottom um, and, and try and beat your man. There's none of this sort of cutting inside, passing it inside and then going to hide in the flank for a wee while. I was really impressed with, with the way that he he looked to play yesterday. Listen, Tommy's absolutely right. It was it was Air United that was lesser um, competition and you will want him to do it consistently in big games in the top league. Of course you will. Um, but I think he showed enough yesterday for us all to be quite pleased with, with what, he's, what Clement's done with him in January. Yeah, see, see be honest... It a winger doesn't need to do an awful lot. That was why the the whole mind the, mind the Ryan Kent viral on with Roy McKay first training video, yeah. like like that kind of idea. See when I see people like oh I watch Arsenal religiously. See like Gabby Martinelli and Bakaya Sacco and Leander Trosser, they don't really have a trick in them. They're very simple. They stay wide. They get one v one with their fullbacks and they drive at them when the chance is there. Yeah. And they just use their pace, just use their afterburners and get round somebody. And that's that was what um Postacoglu done with Celtic. He had a badder, he had Jota, he had Maida, he just told them to run at people. 
Cortez looks like kind of in that mode. If he sees somebody 1v1 with space, he's going in behind it. If the guy closes off that space, he's cutting inside and shooting. That should be your only two options. You shouldn't be thinking about going back into midfield and giving people time to double up. Go into the space and can make stuff happen because you only need to get past somebody once. Seeing these types of old firm games, European games, see if you run at somebody four times and the fullback wins three of them. That one that you do win over him and you get in the box and put the cross in can lead to Barisic's goal. It, that, that can be the difference maker at the end. That was the, the thing that Kent was good at in big games was identifying space against Leipzig Braga to drive into and wait to put the ball when it was there. And what's happened with modern football is fullbacks, <laughs> we've seen it with James Tavernier and that's one of the biggest debates, teams more often than not want their fullbacks to get forward and contribute to attack and they're not always great in 1v1 defensive situations because of that. So if you can get your fullbacks 1v1 with a winger that's willing to run beyond them, that's a guy that in all the clips I've seen playing centre mid or playing right wing back, he was doing that in those areas. Yeah. So if he's going into the final third, he's going to do the exact same thing. And, and it's just, it shouldn't be refreshing, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> and do you know, yeah, I, I think that, and that's a really good point because we, um, and I, I sort of grown up with wingers, sort of David Cooper, etc. And you instantly thought these were just guys that hug the touchline if they could have another trick to get by the fullback and throw the ball in the area. And that's I mean, you were in your thirties or something like when David Cooper was yes, playing. I mentioned that Go. to be perfectly honest with you. I instantly regret it. Um, <laughs> I am, um, you know. It was uh, the thing that got me. It was just really refreshing to see him be prepared to, as you say, John, throw the afterburners on and beat the man. Um, I think it's it's been a long time since we've seen anyone um, play on either side that, that looks like they're capable of doing that. Was of course involved in in the goal that that, that put the Rangers um, a goal to the good, um, and it was Borna Barisic um, who who deflected one in. Um, I would imagine John. Based on the current form of Ridvan and the, the sort of this hefty character that was nearly in the door um, last month, you're now looking at the last six months of Bornabarisic, I would think. Yeah, it's one of those ones, right? He's going to be the one that you've moaned about for four or five years on and off, and then be sad when he goes because it is the end of that's the end of like an era because he's been so consistently part of the team. Yeah. I just hope he's ending it with with at least a double, hopefully a treble, and a decent European run and. It can kind of be one that you wave on and in five years you forget how many times he annoyed you with going back to centre-half and just remember <laughs> the, the contributions he did to good nights at Ibrox and, and trophies that we won. So, yeah, I do think it is sad, but I, I do think Borna Barisic, once he lost that real model that Gerard had and it was clear how he was to play all the time and it wasn't a game-by-game model, you would change it for some games... Once you take that out of Bonda Barisic, I think he was the one that struggled the most to adapt to teams that would press him inside and do different things to him. And it just became, Scottish football just kind of wore him down a little bit. But I, I, I mean, Bonda Barisic, when, when we were coming up under Gerard, was unbelievable. But I do think we should, I, I think it'll be fleeting the times we see him as well, unless there's injuries. Can you yeah. imagine as well at the, um, at the reunions and stuff like that for 55 and the parties in the years to come, everybody just saying to Bonner, make sure you check who's behind you. Right. <laughs> Make sure you know who's coming in behind you. Oh my God, dearie me. Yeah, no. Listen, I, I, I was, I was glad he scored. Um, I was glad to to see him involved. I'm a big fan of Bomber. Um, it was good to see him yesterday, and it is the sort of game where you would expect him to to show his defensive prowess and his qualities moving up and down the flank. To be perfectly honest with you, Tommy, I do want to come here. So just on that to John's point as well. And again, not that I'm doing them down, right, but slightly different level of opposition. But actually, a slight departure for Barisic as well. For once doing what Tavernier naturally does, actually tucking into the box, not staying out wide when he goes up top. And so that's yeah. where he got his chance for the goal and he got an even better chance later on as well, which he kind of sclaffed. But getting into the box was a slight difference for him because generally when he goes up, he still stays wide because you see the amount of balls that are over hit that he picks up. Yeah. Actually he was coming in and making a nuisance of himself in the box and, and gets a you know gets a goal out of it. So I right, just a slight a slight departure from his his usual as well though. Tommy I'll stick with you because what I do want to do I want to come to um Fabio Silva um very shortly. Um I, I want to speak about Connor Goldson. Couple of moments yesterday I felt we saw some 
moments of hesitation, maybe concentration, just not being 100% at it. I see John Walker smirking, so he's got something he's going to add to this. Very, very valuable, I can tell. Um, as opposed to looking at that, his tackle in the first half that's been highlighted um, by various different social media sort of platforms today and indeed part of last night, um, a lunge suggestion was that he was lucky to get away without a, a red. Any thoughts on that after seeing it probably numerous times since yesterday? Yeah, I, I don't naturally think it's a red, I have to admit. Right, and I say that not with the blue-tinted specs on. I yeah. think if the referee had a, had a went to that red card, it would have been understandable, actually, is maybe where I'm, I'm pitching my tent. I'm not sitting on the fence here, right? I'm not getting skills and all that. But I think he's, he's not out of control. Maybe saves his bacon a little bit in that. But, yeah, there was a there was maybe just one or two times where he's, he's desperate to take part, he's desperate to be involved, he's desperate to give something as well. You saw his frustration up top too when he wasn't getting the ball as quickly as he wanted and he wasn't getting cutbacks, etc. He was desperate to score. Yeah. And so I think some of that's just a wee bit of calmness. But yeah, I, I didn't think it was naturally a red. I think it, there'd easily be a counter-argument to that if I'm being brutally brutally honest. Um, yeah, I'm not quite classing it that he got away with one, but uh, the fact it was Willie Collins as well made me made me think. Well, hold on a minute, as he dropped his cards. But um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah I, I do sound like I'm sitting on the fence there. I I think it's probably the right decision, but could easily have fallen the other way. And I, I don't think I'd have been bumping my gums too much about that. Truth be told, I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Go on then, John. I think it's a red all day. I, I honestly think the guy's very lucky that he's moved his right leg with the touch on his left because it's went across his right shin. I think it's a red. And see, you hit the nail on the head. Connor Goldson should drop down in games. Connor Goldson shouldn't play these games. I don't think. I think these are the games that oh. Connor Goldson just out. This league sometimes, and this sounds stupid, bear in mind the opposition can be too easy for Connor Goldson. And I yeah. see these type of mistakes where he's too busy looking for where his pass is going to go and not mm. where he's taking the touch of the ball. And he does this quite a lot, not to the extent of lunging at tackles, but he overruns that ball a lot, moving into that same space. Yeah, keep it he up. seems to have those lapses in concentration when the game's too easy, because it must be when the game's too easy, because you've seen him play in European games and runs to Europa League finals, where he's given Nkunku one sniff over two legs, and he's just got it. And he said the same thing with Clement as one of the things that he's got is the demands are so hard that the concentration and the mentality needs to be right all the time, every minute in training, every minute in games. And I think when you get to an Air United, when Rangers have kind of been putting things right from the, the past 18 months and getting everything correct, that you just have those little drops in games that are deemed easy and these mistakes occur. Same with Aberdeen. We were 1-0 up. The game was yeah. a doddle at the time the ball drops in midfield and he's just not focused on the line. He's just not, it's just that split second that you cannot afford against any team. That United game, don't get me wrong, I will argue to him in the face, a red card would not change the outcome of that game. Rangers are going to make changes and still control it with 10 men even if they have it and win the game. But Conor Goldson can make that a lot harder. He made Aberdeen a lot harder. It's just those lapses in concentration where we've got full control of games that Conor Goldson just seems to don't know whether he's got an Apple Watch on, he's checking his curtain, but there's just something that just switches <laughs> off. And it is that it's that same goal all the time. It's those yeah. same mistakes all the time that just need and that's why that's why I love John Suter, because I think John Suter's got used to Connor Goldson very quickly and he knows yeah. to shift over when John, Connor Goldson's doing that. He's like, I need to be central instead of left centre half, because this could go anywhere and I need to be ready to switch on. And I think that's what we're starting to I think we're starting to see a really good defensive partnership actually grow between them two. Um, but yeah, Connor Goldson just has those little lapses that we just need to try and people need to keep on top of him, whether it's Butland all the time, all the time. Yeah, I do wonder if it's driven to some extent by you're saying there we're, we're dominating and he's thinking about 
right, push right up. If it comes in, how do we, we get the ball back into midfield? How do we ping it long? Because he loves that. I'm with you, by the way. He overruns it quite a bit and <laughs> just gets away with it sometimes. But then ping it back out and he maybe just forgets the awareness round about him. Miofsky did that a few times against him uh, with Aberdeen. And Miofsky was obviously going after him for that because he was just playing off the side of the shoulder. He was just coming in on the blind side. And right at you know, the stroke of half time, he managed to get get in front of him. But there was a couple of other wee half chances with Miofsky as well. And, aye, you're definitely right. There's a, It's just a switch-off moment, but you, you wonder where it comes from in terms of is it just the men round about him that he's not aware of? Or is it because he's just concentrating at the top end of the pitch and how he best steps up into midfield? Because mm-hmm. he does like to come forward with it. I, yeah, there's, a, there's an equation that needs solved there somewhere. So comments in the chat, I think, back up both of, of what you're saying. A couple of guys suggesting that um, he he does believe he's almost too good for these games against lesser opposition and um, could probably sit out. And, I, you know, Paul McGarrigal, regular watcher of the podcast. Hi, Paul, good evening. Um, I thought we could have had Suter and King or, or, or Davies, who was on the bench yesterday, could have been involved just to... Give Connor Goldson a bit of freshness. It maybe comes back to what I was saying earlier about Clement maybe having a set group of players that he trusts, and these guys will be continue to be involved. Sorry, I apologise, Scott. Just on that one, um, Philippe Clement referenced in the post match that it was other changes he had to make, which is why Davies couldn't get off the bench because he did want to give him minutes. Yeah, but it, it just it got away from him. They wasn't able to get him in. So it, that goes back to the start of the conversation, though, that he's trying to get minutes into everybody's legs because. You can bet your bottom dollar everybody's going to get used again throughout the course of this this season. Um, so yeah, there was definitely a thought to get Davies in, but no, it just didn't work out. Hundred percent. And Conor Goldson wasn't the only person that was involved in maybe something controversial in the first half. And um, Fabio Silva gets a yellow card, but I think it's a re- really, really quite soft. To be perfectly honest with you, it shouldn't happen. Um, he had a good first half, good movement. Probably had a. a you could argue should have scored. Had a really good opportunity with a header that he flashed wide. Um, it wasn't, of course, the last we heard of him as he went on and scored in the second half, which we'll come to shortly. Um, John, the debate about Silva will continue to go on now from now until May. And I think the only reason that we'll stop having the debate is if he scores something like 20 goals. Um, I, where do you stand on him now? Reese of the podcast and I have a bet. For anyone that doesn't watch the podcast, I reckon Dessers will score more goals between now and the end of the season than than what um, Silver will score. Dessers, I think, is one up in them just now based on the, the January start. John, Fabio Silver, the floor's yours. So, in a, in a rare moment of praise for Stephen Cragen, we're going to do this. I thought Stephen Cragen's post-match interview with Emma Dodds and with Fabio Silver and Alan Hutton was brilliant. Yeah. Because they asked actual football questions they didn't ask him if he thought he was lucky to stay in the pitch they asked him about what kind of stuff clement's asking him and he talked about the difference in scottish football to even english football and what he's been used to about clement being very keen that he can't hold the ball he has to move the ball quickly they work on it in training they allow people to hit him in training they're re- they're emphasizing on him how quick he needs to play if he's going to be this link up that's what fabio silva is going to be fabio silva isn't going to be a goal scorer He's going to be our link-up player and he's going to be better at it that you're going to see contributions from Cortez, McCausland, Campwell. You're going to see their goals start to go through the roof and their numbers go higher as Silva is more involved in the team because I think he's the key to bringing everyone into this. Players like Diamonde, Raskin are really tidy footballers and if you have a number nine that's willing to go into wide areas to combine with your wide man, that's willing to let your number 10 go beyond you, that's willing to link up play with your centre mids, you're bringing in Morelos-style Gerrard when we win the league. You're kind of saying, we we don't actually need you to get goals. We don't. What we need you to do is ensure that everyone else is linked together. And as long as that part's working, we'll get goals from other areas. And he will contribute when he gets a chance. I just don't think, like with a header that I think he should have scored, if you put yeah. that header in Shankland, Shankland scores that header. But I think what you will get is you'll get all the other chances that are starting to be seen, like Hibs away, where he will link up better with the rest of the team and you'll see better performances from everyone else just as a result of him being the number nine. So I don't think he's going to be the goal scorer, but I think his link up is at a different level from probably anyone I've seen at Rangers number nine in a very, very long time. Maybe if Ruth was fit, there's, there's that phrase again. I think I chuck that in every single podcast. But 
because Morelos link up. I don't. Morelos wasn't a great link up. He's not a technical, no. technically good footballer, but he was effective in what he was doing. Silva's that full package of your kind of Gabriel Jesus. He's not going to get all the goals, but has has been him being involved in the team is going to make the team completely better. Um, as for the decision on the, the red card, there's always a, you always see a stupid age-old debate when somebody commits a bad foul and they go, it's my first tackle. Yeah. The first tackle element is perfect for the Fabio Silva yellow card that he does get. But see, when he gets that yellow card, the second one's a red. But the first one should never be... A striker should never get booked for that, ever. Yeah. Okay. That should be your second one. But because Willie Collins booked him, Willie Collins looks like he's made a massive mistake because he has. He shouldn't have booked him for the first one, but if you book him for the first one, you have to send him off for the second. The same way in the Rossgate Celtic, they just make a rod for their own back by not implementing... I'm not saying if somebody smashes somebody in the first minute, you ignore it. You still book somebody inside a minute if it's a bad tackle. But that was not it. And that's what frustrates people. It's a nothing decision that was brought to the front of sports scene because the ref made the wrong decision in the start and then corrected it by making another bad decision. But I was glad he never got sent off because I think he is becoming a really talented footballer. And I just thought the press conference with uh, the interview with Craig was brilliant because they were literally discussing specifics about what he's trying to learn about Scottish football. And I was like, there's a 30 million pound player that's coming up to Scottish football and not disrespecting the way sometimes you can see quote unquote big stars do. Yeah. Very attentive. He seems to be working. He wants to make it work. At Rangers, I, I just really uh, that's that's what I feel like everyone wants to hear about now. They don't want the Chris Sutton, right. Chris Boyd yeah. jibes. They want to hear about football. They want to hear about analytical. What what are you working on day to day and training to improve? I just really really enjoy that. I could what that's something that should be posted. I could listen to that again if it was up on Twitter. Really really good. I really like Silva. I think he's the he's just definitely the number nine for us, but not not the goal scoring number nine. Tommy, do you think that between now and the end of the season, Silva almost becomes... And it was interesting to John, like, listen to John speak about link-up. You almost think that when you refer to a player as a link-up, he's the bit in the middle and there's something that comes after that. So, for example, he's the he's the sort of middle man, if you like. I loathe to say number 10 because Cantwell's playing really well at the moment in number 10. Um, maybe the question I'd come to you, Tommy, is there room for both these guys at the same time and does Silva score enough goals to to effectively win us the league? And I know goals come from all across the, the pitch, um, but you do need a focal point up there and you do need someone banging them in between now and then the May. Yeah, I'll take your first question there, which is can they both play in the same team, which is absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think that link-up, well, you can never have too many good links. You know, if you're getting people dragging defences out in different ways, which is what Silva is also very, very good at, and then being able to take the, the ball in tight areas, um, then you get as much of that into the, the the forward nature of your team as you possibly can. Will he be? I'm not going to duplicate what John's John said there because it's pretty comprehensive, and I agree with it. There's nothing in his background that makes you think he's going to be a absolute penalty box, you know, predator. Right? He'll chip in with a few goals. You hope that those are important goals that change big moments and big matches and get you points and all that type of stuff. Um, but, yeah, he's there to provide an extra worry for opposition defences, to create something to be that link-up play to then give better opportunities or chances. But if you were, if you kind of take it back a little bit and you say we went into the window with Dessers, Lammers, Seema, right, De Niro and all that, and you take Danilo off, off the pitch, you take Seema off the pitch for a while, you go right with McCausland as well, and then you come out of it at the other end going, right, Lammers is at Utrecht. Nobody call me on the fact that he's having a pretty good time of it at the moment, right? But that's because, because Sam Lammers isn't a terrible, terrible football. It just isn't working at Rangers, and it never it never will. I don't think it's too big for him, but we've right. said that before. But then you've got, right, the equation is now McCausland, Dessels, you know, Seema, and you start to say, right, okay, Cortez goes into that bucket as well. It's a infinitely more comprehensive and more positive forward feeling than we had previously. Now, if that means that they provide the ammunition, the firepower, the space for Dessels to absolutely accelerate and take one chance in six or whatever it is, right, and get the goals that matter, so be it. Right? As long as we're making the chances, we'll eventually start to take them. 
the, the whole point about who's going to be there at the end of the season is a different conversation up top, right? But I I don't think Seema's going to be the man who's banging them in. I think I think poor Reese is uh, is on the back foot with that particular one and will be there for the rest of the season. But everybody is going to have to chip in at some point in time. And Silva is absolutely, to get back to your point, Silva is a comprehensive upgrade on what we had there. And as he gets more minutes in his legs and gets more work with the team, you'll start to see that more and more. And he's not just a, oh, he's come up for the European run type of player, back to John's point as well. He's definitely robust enough and gets in amongst it to say, right, he wants to be part of every single game and really be part of winning something. So, yeah, really, really happy with him. I think there's a lot more to come from him, if I'm being brutally honest. But, again, he's just in the door. He'll definitely have a part to play before the end of the season and where that silverware ends up. Do you know, I have to say, kudos to the club as well um, for throwing um, Jim Diamond's high-ho silver into the repertoire pre-match at half-time and at the end as well. My kids love it now. So um, They should have they known better. Well, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to dive too much away from this, but anyone that knows me will maybe know that I've got a radio background, and I actually heard them sing both of these live in a studio when I was certainly younger, and um, he was fantastic at it. So when I heard that, it was great. Come back, you know what I mean? Listen, it's it's a service for everyone. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I, I also I cannot tell you how how proud of myself with that pun about they should have known better. Uh, I am. I, I will admit that's that's um, that's one I'm quite happy with. John, I, I do I do want to speak about. Silva obviously scored the the second goal of the afternoon. We huffed and puffed her a bit in the second half. Um, he got the second goal. Really good finish, lashing it into the net. Um, quite similar to a goal that Seema scored earlier on the season. Actually, um, excellent finish. Um, it was set up by really clever work by Todd Campwell. Now, again, do you know what I mean? We take into account the, the opposition, of course, we do with all respect to United. John, I wonder if you think that we're seeing the best version of Todd Campwell since he came up from Norwich a year ago. Yeah, if you're watching that game back, Todd Campbell's involved in that goal on four different points. It's, it's yeah. even before the we won two with Tavernier. He plays about three different one-twos from midfield to get us to the left area. Then a one-two with Tav for some reason and then works it over. Tav's got it again off Scott Wright, and then he's inside the box yeah. again. Campwell, there's a re- everyone wants to shout down Todd Campwell, and don't get me wrong, see if somebody that had the appearance of Todd Campwell was playing for the other side, I'm sure I would be irritated by him as well, just on the aesthetic. <laughs> but Todd Campwell, at one point, when Jack Grealish was so bad Villa at Man City, Norwich were not selling him to Aston Villa unless they paid £40 million for him. That was just he quoted. That was why Todd Campbell's Norwich career fell apart because he did want to leave. He was considered a 35, 40 million pound player by the Premier League team that had his contract and were training him every day. That ability doesn't stop. What happens is you take somebody out and the form dips because all he had experienced was up, 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 up. You're now seeing somebody playing consistently in a in a team that is slowly getting facilitated to him. I'm not Clement will never build a team around somebody. But he's making sure the midfield centre midfielders work behind him. He's making sure his wide players are going to do their doggy work. And he's making sure he's now got a striker that will drop into midfield to get on the ball as well. So they've got the numbers in there. That if Campwell, Campwell works very hard in there, but if Campwell loses concentration for a second or forgets his defensive duties, there's numbers in there to protect it. And you give Todd Campwell a bit of freedom to go and create like he did against United there and like he has been doing and getting the numbers going up. Todd Campwell is a Premier League footballer, an English Premier League footballer. I have no doubts about that. That's the level Todd Campbell should be at, will be at, and Rangers are the, unfortunately, stepping stone for that. So for that to happen, Todd Campbell needs to play like Todd Campbell is playing. I said when he came up here, and I said stupidly at the start of the season, I thought he would be the most influential player in Scotland this year. I think Matt O'Reilly's maybe just pipping him just now, but I think if Campbell keeps playing like he's playing, and keeps yeah. contributing the numbers he has and puts in the performances like he has, he'll start to maybe take some of that egg off my face. Tommy, one of the things on Campwell for me, towards the end of last season, um, I thought it was excellent, the old, the old firm game at Ibrox. I remember um, indeed watching you um, speak about him in the, in the gantry post-match about how good he was um, that afternoon. And I think there has been moments this season, obviously the change of management hasn't hasn't really helped him that much. Um, but I think now you're seeing, as I say, I just I, I think now we've got the very best version of him. I think when he came up last year, he came up to um, Rangers weren't going to win the league. 
and I don't think there was any doubt about that. Um, there was decisions that I didn't think went in his favour, and we've seen that again at the start of this season. I was concerned that the relationship between him and Clement was broken that European night, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but it seems like he's pulled the old big boy pants on, he's just got on with it, and I, as I say, I, I think we should be really happy with, with what we're seeing from Todd Campbell right now. Yeah, listen, I was full of praise for him. I still am. I mean, I would never be as crazy as to say he'd be the most influential player. I mean, who the hell would do that, right? But um, I'm also taking a wee, I'm taking a wee note here just to go back through and get that clipped and get it out on the get it out on the channels at some point, right? But um, I, I think, I think everything that we've said there is is pretty true. In terms of you also look at the fact that he was injured. He's come through what was a struggling team under Michael Beale. You come in mid-season, there was the cup final thing, didn't quite work, didn't get picked for that. That's going to be a bit of a blow when your manager's been saying and buying starters and stuff like that. Yeah. Then you go to the next season, it doesn't work. Manager's replaced, you've got an injury as well, and then he has to be shuffled about. Um, and now we are starting to see him in his natural natural place. I, I generally think the only, the only risk that Todd Cantwell faces, right, is the expectation from the fans. And uh, there's an expectation that he will always do more than he's going to do. Um, and that's, I mean, it's a, it's just something that, you know, really good players need to work with sometimes. But there's an expectation that he'll always have something in the, the drawer to get you out of tough moments or that it's always going to be him or he has to be the only thing. It comes back to the wider conversation that we've been having. That expectation was probably quite a lot just on him. And now Philippe Clement, in a short space of time, has brought in Cortez and Silva and, you know, Sima and all that when they come back as well to say, well, the burden is shared, right? But you're still expecting Cantwell to be, and it's an incredibly important point that John picked up there. You're expecting Cantwell to not always be at the top end and scoring goals and all that, but look at how he facilitates the movement of the team to get into dangerous areas. Those wee one-twos, that wee creation of space, his ability to just drift by one or two in the midfield and all of a sudden you've opened something up. That's where I think Todd Cantwell will also do a lot of that influential work. It's being able to say to players, and this comes back to some of Philippe Clement's philosophy as well, don't take the easy option. I'll make myself available and then I'll do something brief. And he's got a thick enough skin that when he loses it, he works hard, or indeed he just takes it again the next thing. That You need that stuff really, really intrinsically bedded into the rest of the team. And that's where I see. You. I think you'll see it. But yeah, we'll all see the big moments as well. You know, crackers. You referenced the what you said as goal of the month against Hibs and stuff like that. He's got a he's got a lot in his locker. And John's also right. Um, I think we all know this that if he plays the, as well as he can consistently, a big big offer will come in. An offer that that probably can't be knocked back. And then he goes with best wishes. The point being, every every player goes with best wishes. I just hope they go with silverware in their pocket as well. Yeah, listen, if that happens, I worry very, very much for Ross Chalmers. Um, the Samaritans will hear from him regularly. Well, Todd Cantwell gets to wherever he goes, right? Opens up the boot of the car and there's Ross hiding in, <laughs> hiding in the boot. <laughs> listen, Tom McGarrigal um, jumps in again. I think when Cantwell kept dropping deep before it was because there wasn't a link-up for midfield. It takes us right nicely into um, midfield. And two guys I want to speak about. Firstly, John, I know you're a huge fan of Diamande. We've got an hour or so yesterday. First start, first game indeed, I think since November, beginning of November or something like that. Um, lots of nice touches, lots to be excited about, I think, early doors. He's a very good footballer. Like that, that's that's just what he is. He's very tidy, technically beautiful to watch. Um, I think we're only, like you said, he, he came off in the Fenerbahce game. I know he'd been having niggles and knocks. So he came off in that game, and that was his last start. So he'll be one that needs time. He will need a few games. But you can see, that's the nicest thing. You can already see somebody that's not match sharp, that has really good body control, nice touches, knows where he wants to play the ball next. Was playing probably a little bit too high than he usually does. He would be either the CDM. I've seen him play off the right, to be fair, but just playing that a little bit higher. But you just see his game intelligence. That's that's what we want. We want to see people like that. We want, we want to know that the people we've bought in are better than what we had, and that's yeah. what that's what I'm looking at and going, yeah, yes, yes, he definitely is that. I know it was against the United, but it doesn't. Nothing really changes whether it's here United or not. He's still got to control the ball. He's still got to find people the right way to pass, and that's what he just does. It. He just feels like a 
a left-footed, nicer upgrade to like a Glen Kamara, whereby everything's going to be forward, but you've yeah. got all those same nice technique and, and movement. I really like him. I think it, as long as he stays injury fit and gets his match sharpness and we get the minutes in him before the, the key matches really start, he's going to be so good for us. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Listen, hi, a Sid, who is watching from Toronto, which is um, certainly better than where I am. There's no two ways about that. Um, and it refers to the um, the Diomandi interview, very humble, which he is, um, and generally impressed with the interview. Tommy, I, I you know, it, it paints a picture of our business in January with what Clement has went and done. Everyone expected a striker to come in, a Lauren Shanklin-type striker. Um, we brought in two guys who no one really knew much about, to be brutally honest with you. But both look to have hit the ground running and both seem to be um, merging into the squad relatively well so far. Yeah, and, and again, I'll, I'll reference, well, before that, I would say I hope Sid's got the uh, the log burner on uh, and not, <laughs> not freezing himself out there in Toronto at the moment. But uh, weirdly enough, I'd referenced this earlier. It was in the, the press conference after the Aberdeen game and I asked James Tavernier about well, what about the new boys? That's them experiencing a raucous Ibrooks towards the end and all that type of stuff. And he was saying that the guys have come in, they've fitted in really well. And obviously, Fabio Silva having a bit more time uh, than them. But it's all about getting minutes in the legs. And his wee cameo, your Mondays against Aberdeen, was was good as well. You know, people yeah. picked up on the wee flick over uh, a player and all that type of stuff. Again, sometimes you look at a player and you go, it used to be shorthand, pretty lazy, that you would say, oh, he's got a languid style. Right, and I, I've always thought what people mean by that is you can tell that they are comfortable with the ball and they don't panic, right? and they're not worried about how they're going to shift it from foot to foot or get away from themselves. He's very much that naturalistic, right? I know where the ball is, and now it's all about body shape. And not enough people spend enough time looking at body shape, not only in terms of when you've got the ball, but receiving the ball. You should look at your body shape of your your um, your teammate as you pass the ball to them to make sure they're picking it up. The way that they should, as opposed to having to change everything about them. Um, none of my, you know, uh, teammates at the Elevens uh, when I played during the week would would notice any of that about me because I just ping it at them as hard as I can and hope for the best, right? But but all of those things and in the short spaces, listen, he's got a long way to go. He needs to bed in. There's, you know, you know, not kind of jump the gun, but he looks like he is very much somebody who just sweeps the ball along with him and then moves it on. There was a couple of times where he took it in tight areas. And you're always looking for, do the shoulders go up? Do they panic? No, no, just take it in, move it round, move it on. Again, we come back to people like Cantwell and Silva and all that. They're very naturalistic with that type of stuff. So I think he is definitely a, a very, very, very good player and a good prospect for us. And again, one that fits what the model should be and has to be, which is get them in as early as you possibly can for a relatively decent fee, get them silverware in their back pockets, get an extra big profit into the into the bank balance as well when they inevitably leave. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think um, January business thus far um, looks good. The proof in the pudding, of course, will be come May. Um, but at the moment, fingers crossed, everything looks quite good. John, I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Um, do you think we have a problem with Nico Raskin? I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like everyone's been a wee bit harsh. I think what's happening is, so if I take Raskin's stats for the season and put them against Sterling, his stats are much better on ball recovery, duels, um, pressing, recoveries, and final third pressing. It's passing into final thirds higher than Sterling's. So all his stats over the season when he's been available are much better than Dujon Sterling. But what you've got is, you've always got the eye test. Dujon Sterling covers more ground. He's yeah. physically more imposing. Yeah. He has beat, come into a team that has seen a John Lundstrom turn around. And therefore, he's also seems like a massive influence. So I think when you sometimes have that physicality of a Sterling in there alongside Lundstrom, it looks like we're really solid in midfield. You shove Rasker in there and you maybe see the one time they get shrugged off a ball going for a 50-50. You can then go, there's something off with him. But statistically, his passing is the same as it was when he first came in last season. He wins a real high percentage of tackles, by the way. Um, 100% on his last start um, against St Martin. so I don't think there's anything wrong I just think it is when you go from those are two polar opposites of a footballer and Sterling yeah. and Raskin in that midfield and when Sterling has came in and been so commanding 
to the eye test. Like I, I've been guilty of it as well. I was really surprised when I looked at how few tackles and how few aerial duels he'd won. I was like, that wasn't what I've been seeing. I've been seeing somebody who's been pretty much collecting every loose ball, winning every 50-50. So yeah, I think sometimes the eye test, and don't get me wrong, I would pick a player based on an eye test. I wouldn't pick Raskin just now over Sterling. But I think yeah. once Raskin gets match sharpness and gets back up to speed, he will just be another player where you go, oh, well, all right, okay, that was just a, a spell. I do think people forget that. And I know we're, we're, we're quite good as a podcast, to be honest, for calling out the importance of getting match confidence back. And I think that's why he's played the games he's played in Clement. Clement will know how good Raskin is. I think we all still know how good Raskin's going to be, but he needs time. And I think his biggest issue is that John Lundstrom and Sterling have become a kind of powerhouse of a midfield. Is I, I do feel like that's the that's the preferred two just now that I yeah. would want to see, especially yeah. just because they just look physically more imposing. And I think Raskin's just guilty of physically looking a bit a bit leaner, a bit smaller. And when he's came in and not looked as we maybe remember them being, I, I don't think there's any. I think Raskin's brilliant. I just think it's a wee bit of time. God forbid you get. Um sensible balanced takes on this is ibrox <laughs> it's almost like it's one of our core principles but there we go there, there, there we are but tommy i'll stick with you just to, I, I before we came on and, and sort of ran through what we we're going to discuss i did speak about sterling and the few times that we've seen him in midfield he has been an absolute beast he's been strong he's been energetic he's got around that area of the pitch and probably in a fashion that you would maybe expect a 100% Nico Raskin to do, but maybe you've just not seen it in that sort of fashion. It comes down to them maybe both being different players, which of course I understand. I think technically Raskin's a better player, but for the moment of needing someone to maybe enforce things in the middle of the park, I think John's absolutely right. I think it's Lundstrom and Sterling that have got the jerseys. I think they do, yeah, but it comes back to the, you know, the word of the day is confirmation. Yeah, and so looking that's confirmation binds and expectation as well. I suppose if you want a second word of the day, but Sterling gets an uplift because, and I'm not doing John Sterling down here. He's done a very good job. John's laid out some of the stats actually behind that. The eye test, he would say eye test. I would say confirmation bias, right? Because people are looking at that and you're going, it's a guy that's been played out of position. So if he does any better than you know mediocre, people will go, oh, Sterling's had a really really good game. Yeah, right. Because they're expecting them to be like a fish out of water and, and be a little bit caught. Raskin, we know he's a talent. He's coming off quite a long injury lay. He's not had minutes in the legs, but the expectation is he's still got the ability to win those duels, which he does, but also play a killer ball and be box to box. Right. Or at least get forward and nail out really, really intrusive passes down the channels, cutting people open, running with the ball, beating the midfield so to speak, and if he doesn't do that, you go, he's lost something. But he's yeah. coming off the back of a long injury layoff, right? And also, Philippe Clement will be asking him to play in a very, very particular way, not just to get the shape, but, you know, a lot of managers will say as they're bringing a player back from injury, play within yourself to a certain extent. I don't want you forcing the muscles. I don't want you forcing yourself and getting another injury. I mean, how many players come back from a long injury lay? They go all guns blazing when they come back and then you hear or they've, they've tweaked something else because it's been laid off for so long. So it's no bad thing to be talking about Dujon Sterling has shown that there's much more to him than we first thought. That's great for Rangers and great for the squad. And it's no bad thing to say Nico Raskin isn't operating at his optimal level for all the reasons we've just listed, but we know will come good because that will be good for Rangers and good for the squad as well. These don't have to be negatives. It's a case of there's two good players in there and it's up to Philippe Clement to get the best out of the two of them and then find a way to play them as well. So I I think much like I was talking about Cantwell and Silva and all that, Nico Raskin with more time under his belt will absolutely force his way into that midfield and will be playing more regularly before the end of the season. As definitely, I'm, I'm willing to kind of say that. But no bad thing to have Dujon Sterling to be able to drop in as well and the confidence that he'll be taking from having him brought in and, you know, really looked at as a fullback to say, actually, I've got more to my game and I can do a lot more. Yeah. Listen, there's no doubt a, a fully fit um, Nico Raskin will be 
will be something that we'll all be very pleased of. Hopefully that we, we get that soon, of course, because I think it's struggling with fitness, but the sooner that comes um, around, the better. Listen, I want to spend five minutes or so um, just speaking about um, what happens next. We, we we drew Hibs next round of the cup after knocking air out yesterday's trip to Easter Road. Um, I want to quote something that Jeremy Clement said at a post-match yesterday speaking to the Club TV channel. The team are playing really offensive. Did you say Jeremy Clement? Clip that. Um, the team are playing really offensive football. Football everyone likes to see, but our organisation stays good and we don't give away too many things. And that is important for the future also. With Ross County to come on Wednesday night and us still in the Scottish Cup, John, there is a lot to be quite content about just now. Yeah. Compared to what we've come into, I think I'd pretty much bump my gums a little bit about the Alex McLeish double. That that was what he had to do. That was all he had to do. The league was gone. I think I repeatedly said that on the first couple of pods from when he came in. The league was gone. Oh, you're having um, a storm up, John. You're having an absolute storm up. You're back catalogue. You should see my betting, my betting accounts, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was I would have been more than happy if we'd got those two and we had the, the Alex McLeish double. But yeah, it's Celtic are still favourites just because they have a squad of players who have won the titles that they've done it more recently and more often than us so but Clement's also won titles wherever he's been as a manager so I think that's the thing that's pushing us on I think it helps when you've got the squad you're adding people into that that have come in with the idea of winning trophies and winning the league but yeah it's nice to be in a kind of progressing through cups already got one in the bag you're closing gaps I know there's still games in hand and I know we've got I don't want to say it but five winnable fixtures coming up but the big one is in four fixtures time away to Kilmarnock that's that'll be the I think that's a real test for me is see yeah. looking at I don't want to get too far ahead but looking at that one I think hearts at home is going to be hard as well but the Kilmarnock away those next five games will determine for me how much we can put pressure on Celtic and push forward um, onto the treble or the quadruple will we just say we're getting to the Europa League final again um, so I will go to Dublin can a lot but <laughs> but yeah I think the build up to that and then the Hibs Scottish Cup games at the end of that that run of five games it's a huge month everything's going to be that way but I think you need to keep the pressure on Celtic whilst Carter Vickers is out injured um, whilst I don't know if Johnson's a serious injury or if it was just the head knock he had to miss games for Taylor's still injured. Whilst they've got players out injured and Hatati coming back, you need to keep closing the gap and keeping pressure on them all the time so that they're feeling it a little bit. Um, but it's it's way better than I thought the season was going to go in November. Tommy, it's fair to say, and you typically will probably have the last word on this, um, there's a jugular to go for now, is there not? I'm laughing at that, right? That you're getting me back for all the jives about your age, right, throughout the podcast. But um, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Right, off you go, right? But um, yeah, listen, John's, you know, saying the exact same thing. We're all saying the same thing, right? And that's where the pragmatism and the expectation again comes back to. It. Doesn't have to be pretty. Keep putting maximum points on the board. Keep asking the questions of the people in front of you. Keep seeing if they react. It's it's that, it's that simple, right? What we've all seen is Philippe Clement has instilled a belief into this team that wasn't there. And they're doing it in different ways. Yeah, the performances aren't all stellar. Well, their game was poor. But you're through to the next round of the cup. Yeah. Right? And if that's what takes us over the line, then that's all that matters. What you need to be is in the place that we're in right now or better, come... Celtic Company Ibrooks. Yeah. No, absolutely. Listen, it's good to have you on. John, thanks for joining us, mate, and appreciate your time on Sunday night. Well done. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. And Tommy, always good to have you on. We'll need to edit out those poor fours that I had. A couple of them. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything for the last words, but yeah, it's been, it's been yeah, good to be part of it. Thanks for joining us, Thomas. <laughs> You're most welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so don't forget if you've not subscribed to us across our social media you can we are on Twitter Facebook Instagram TikTok and threads as well if you're following us on YouTube 
um, please like and subscribe all the videos. John's left. He's not hanging about anymore. If you are looking at us on um, YouTube, don't forget to, he did not enjoy it. Don't forget to like and subscribe, leave a comment, hit the notifications on. It's really important you do that. You'll get a notification each time we release any content. He's a way to delete that, he's a way to delete that podcast where he said that uh, Todd Catman was going to be the most influential uh, player. Oh my goodness, it's been a good one tonight. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. We should say that the guys are back on Wednesday post-match from the gantry, which we look forward to potentially um, go and go on top of the league, which is something to really look I forward to. I think I'm in there. I think I'm in You're there. You're in there. Valentine's, um, Valentine's Day and yeah. spending it with Philippe Colon and Ross County. That's All right. And Ross as well. Um, so, every cloud. Um, listen, if you are lucky enough to be going to Ibrox on Wednesday, enjoy your Valentine's night. Don't forget, keep following us across social media and keep in touch with us. We will catch up with you later in the week. Thanks for watching. Bye for now. Podcast Network.